Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition of uh, the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. You know, uh, flying under the radar this week has been a upcoming meeting in India. Uh, between members of the Trump administration and um, their counterparts in India. It's a very important meeting. And when we talk about key meetings on the world stage, and specifically in Europe, in Middle East, and Northern Africa, we turn to London, to our dear friend and great reporter, Joseph Hammond. Joseph, good morning. And, you know, um, this is a big meeting coming up. Uh, Pompeo and Mattis going uh, to India to talk to their counterparts. Why don't you fill us in on what to expect and what might very well be on that agenda as uh, this big um, two-pronged meeting begins uh, this week uh, in India? Yes, uh, it will be a historic uh, summit on September 6th, which is tomorrow, between Secretary of Defense Mattis and Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo and their Indian uh, counterparts. This will be the first ever two plus two summit, uh, referring to the two foreign ministers um, and uh, from both countries uh, meeting for the first time uh, in this format. This meeting was supposed to have taken place uh, months ago um, in this past summer and in, in June, but at that time, with the situation on the Korean Peninsula, the meeting had to be rescheduled. It was supposed to take place in uh, Washington that time uh, to make up for it. Uh, Pompeo and Mattis are, are, are flying to uh, New Delhi. They're 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 currently in, in Pakistan and be flying to New Delhi uh, for what will really be a very important summit. It comes at a key moment as the Trump administration is th- is seeking to impose new sanctions on Iran following the you know the Trump administration's uh, decision uh, earlier this year. And the key Iranian economic export, as we all know, is oil. India mm-hmm. is rivals China as the largest importer of uh, Iranian crude. Normally, it's uh, second uh, in the world to China in terms mm-hmm. of the importation of Iranian crude. So from the standpoint of the trip by Madison Pompeo, their goal is to get India to uh, purchase oil from other outlets, the United States, what are divert oil away from, uh, uh, I'm sorry, divert Iranian oil away from going to India. What's the goal here? Yes, I think that while a lot of media focus on the new sanctions on Iran have focused Mm -hmm. on the reticence of some European allies uh, Mm -hmm. to support this initiative, the European countries uh, imports um, altogether, relatively little amounts of, of oil, though uh, mm-hmm. Italy, Greece, 
Spain and France do import um, some oil at present from Iran. But India um, is, you know, recently an oil trader showed me some numbers as much as 750,000 uh, barrels per day uh, of oil uh, from Iran and Indian refineries are calibrated to uh, refine the heavier crude that's coming out um, of Iran. So this is something that if the sanctions against uh, Iran are going to work and it's going to put, put pressure on Iran to change their behavior um, in, in the Middle East and with regards to um, their various you know, weapons programs, uh, then the India is a key country to have on board. And we also know earlier this, uh, this topic of the oil also came up when uh, the American ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, also visited India uh, earlier this year. So this is really um, a key issue for the administration. They brought out the big guns to try to get, um, you know, dissuade India from importing so much uh, Iranian crude. Now, this could open up opportunities uh, for uh, American exports um, to to India, um, mm -hmm. and they could potentially downblend some of their crude from other sources with the kind of sweeter crude, uh, which is a different grade of, of crude oil that's coming from the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that uh, you know, I think there's there had to be some realization from the part of the United States that you know India with Iran so close is is going to continue to uh, import uh, Iranian oil. But the question will be how much we can get them to reduce their importation mm -hmm. of Iranian oil from uh, Saudi Arabia has invested in developing a new refinery uh, in India, which would open up another source that they can start refining uh, crude from the Middle East. Um, mm -hmm. So it really is going to come down to the barrels and if we can make a major dent uh, in one of the main importers of Iranian uh, crude oil. That's one of the main issues uh, uh, for this meeting. So from the Indian standpoint, they actually are somewhat in the catbird seat here, right? I mean, they've got, um, they've got, the U.S., they've got the Saudis, they've got a number of suitors here. Um, is that not, does that not put them in a good position to negotiate? It, in some ways it does. Uh, however, as I alluded earlier, the refineries um, are certainly calibrated to refine a certain kind of oil. So that it would, it right. would, they would have to blend it with other kinds of oils in those refineries. Mm -hmm. Um now, one of the unfortunately for them geopolitically, they have very high geopolitical risk everywhere they import from. One of their main importers, as I've said, um, is you know uh, Iran, but they also mm -hmm. uh, import from Iraq, where which is a government that's controlled by Iran, and in, in, in increasingly so, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and then Venezuela is another source of um, imports uh, for for India. So. Uh, Wherever they look, there's a lot of political risk, and obviously their relationship with Iran goes beyond just the oil. So even if they do move away from uh, Iran uh, in terms of their oil uh, imports, uh, there's some there's some risk there as well. India is seeking to develop an oil and gas field uh, located in the Persian Gulf. Uh, that project has been stalled for a number of years. They're also seeking to develop a port, uh, an Iranian port to be a corridor to open up trade um, with Central Asia and open up Indian goods to Afghanistan and, and, and Central Asia. So mm -hmm. it, it, it is a very, uh, there you know, uh, the old, uh, you know, JFK uh, quotes of, um, you know, supposedly quoting the Chinese proverb that every, uh, you know, crisis is also an opportunity. Um, that's right. definitely the case here. Okay. I'm going to ask you to put uh, a Professor Hammond hat on, okay? And that is in this regard. 
I know that a lot of people are going, well, you know, let's, that's wonderful that the possibility of the United States could be, um, you know, selling oil to India. But, you know, we're thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. How does one, in the case of the United States, how does, how do the, how would the United States import oil to India, theoretically? Well, the United States is already uh, exporting uh, quantities of, of crude to a number of countries mm-hmm. uh, all over the world. And one right. of the interesting thing op- opportunities that opens up for the um, export of American crude uh, to India will be what happens uh, with, with China. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I spoke mm-hmm. recently to a, a Chinese oil trader. Um, as part of the ongoing U.S. China trade war, China sought to, you know, dramatically uh, to cut off all of its uh, oil and gas imports um, from the United States, um, mm-hmm. and that was the the, the big official policy um, announced a couple months ago. Quietly, my sources are telling me that China and Chinese oil traders have started to dip their toes back into the uh, American market um, because there is not a lot of flexibility uh, in other oil suppliers uh, right now, mm-hmm. and that's impacting the oil market in a uh, number of ways. I already talked about you know, briefly the political risk in Venezuela and mm-hmm. Libya, but it already takes 50 days roughly for a tanker you know, leaving the Gulf Coast, and referring to the, the American Gulf Coast now, sure. um, to, get, to get to China. So you know, roughly you know, two months. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be even longer to push on into the uh, Indian Ocean uh, as well. But it would be a, a possibility you know, if the United States, after November 8th, when we were pursuing uh, sanctions against, country, um, against Iran, mm-hmm. if we pursue them against China, which uh, last month the top U.S. diplomat for the renewed sanctions um, said would happen, and we stopped exporting oil to China, and, mm-hmm. we, and Pompeo and Mattis can reach, reach an agreement uh, with India today, that would open up the possibility for, you know, increased U.S. Uh, oil exports exports to South Asia. And so basically it's a matter of shipping the oil is the way it works. Yes. Yes. You, you ship the oil on, on, on tankers. Okay. Um, and the U S is already exporting uh, oil to India. So it'd be a question of increasing uh, the volumes on, on those tankers. So they basically leave, as we said, some, the Gulf port, um, you know, in Texas and, head out of the Gulf of Mexico. And um, as you said, they go to China now, and then they would, they're already doing it to India. And so that's the, that's how you get um, oil from the United States to, um, to countries around the world. So there we go. We have a little, little geography lesson at the same time. So thank you, professor on that one. Uh Yeah. Yeah. We have, the U S is already exporting about Mm 1.7, you know, million barrels. Uh, that was a number earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. I might be off by a few hundreds of a bar- hundred thousandths of a barrel, but 1.7 million barrels per day um, the U.S. was exporting. And that's just really because of the shale mm-hmm. gas revolution we've had in the United States uh, since the turn of the millennium has really changed the energy picture um, for the United States and allowed it to go back uh, into the uh, exports um, game, uh, as it were. And, uh, you know, um, India has been one of the beneficiaries of that. And, uh, you know, last year, I think they received 8 million barrels 
um, from the United States. That number uh, is likely to more than double through this year as it tries to, you know, wean itself uh, from the um, Iranian supply. But Iran's making it difficult, uh, making themselves very. Uh, they're trying to sweeten the deal. They've offered uh, Iranian. Uh, sorry, Indian oil importers uh, insurance. They've even offered to carry um, some of the oil on, on, on tankers. Um, so they've done their part to try to uh, keep this very lucrative uh, relationship uh, going between uh, Iran and India. You know, Joe and I will be back to talk more after this from our friends at Blinkist. You know, I love books. I really do. And I would love to read books. But, man, I know you're just like me. Your schedule is so slammed that getting to read a book is just, it's tough. It's tough to do. Can't read anywhere near what you'd like to. And, you know, some great stuff is passing you by. Well, about two weeks ago, I decided to download the Blinkist app on my phone. And, ladies and gentlemen, it is a game changer. Last week alone. I was able to read Rocket Man, which is a great story about Apollo 8, written by Robert Curson. I read Chasing Hillary by Amy Shosak. It's a super book, folks. It's an insider's look into Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. I went old school and read a book called The Doomsday Machine, Confessions of a Nuclear War Planner by Daniel Ellsberg. And I also got in Alan Fisher's great book, Valley of Geniuses about the people of Silicon Valley and how they changed the world. I know what you're saying. You're saying, wait a minute, Williams. You just told me that you didn't have time to read one book in a week, and you got through four? Yeah, I'm telling you why. It's Blinkist. It is the app that will change the way you read or listen to books forever, okay? You can find over 2,500 best-selling nonfiction books distilled in a way it allows you to read or listen to them in just 15 minutes. That's right. Now, over 7 million people are using Blinkist every day to glean the insights they need to become better at everything. Okay? It's all there. It's all easy to do. Now, I've read classics like How to Win Friends and Influence People While Eating Breakfast. I listened to the Amazon current bestseller, Fire and Fury, Inside the Trump White House, while I was writing my column about Donald Trump. It's that simple, folks. Blinkist is constantly curating and adding new titles from the best of lists so that you're always getting the most powerful ideas in a mobile format, okay? I'm proud to be one of the 7 million people using Blinkist to expand our mind 15 minutes at a time. So let me show you how we get started. All right, you ready? All right, here's how we go. For a limited time, the folks at Blinkist have a special offer for the audience who listens to this great podcast, the Politically Incorrect Podcast with Jim Williams, all right? All you have to do is go to Blinkist.com slash Williams. That's Blinkist.com slash my name to get that free trial. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Dot com slash Williams Blinkist dot com. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash my last name Williams. And you get seven free days to check out all of the wonderful titles on Blinkist. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, 
once you download the app, once you try it, you're not going to want to ever give it up. But should you ever wish to cancel it, again, no hassle. You can cancel anytime. It's free to cancel. No problem. But as I said before, go to Blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash my last name, Williams. Take the seven-day free trial, and I guarantee you, you're going to love it, and you're going to become a member of the 7 million people, myself included, who are part of the Blinkist family, expanding our minds 15 minutes at a time. Back to my conversation with Joseph Hammond. Now, relationships between India and the United States on a political side and on a um, on the political side as well as on the trade side, are those relations good, bad? Your what would you rate them at? Uh, well, and security, I, I should say security as well. That's a that's in your wheelhouse too. So I'll add that. To yeah, you. yeah. I think that um, the security relationship right now has perhaps, uh, in some ways, uh, never been better. Uh, the United States and India uh, engage in um, the annual Malabar exercise, uh, which took place this summer, uh, primarily a naval uh, exercise. But this summer, the Chinese were surveilling um, this this exercise, and other nations were involved uh, jointly. Um, there's been increased cooperation in a number of security areas, uh, but there are also uh, potential sources of tension. As well, one of them is that India is trying to uh, purchase uh, from Ru- from Russia the S-400 um, missile-based air defense system, and this has been a point of contention um, with the United States, and will certainly be one of the things that Madison and Veo uh, talk about during their visit to uh, India. Um, your listeners may recall that that system is also at the heart of a dispute between uh, Turkey and the United States. Turkey is also um, seeking to purchase this system, uh, which is, um, you know, home to uh, a NATO base and U.S. hosted U.S. military operations. Same, we have the same thing in 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 the Persian Gulf with some some of our uh, Gulf allies seeking to purchase the S-400 as well. Uh, but again, unlike Turkey or you know, uh, unlike uh, you know Qatar. There is no U.S. airbase uh, in India, so this is another issue. Potentially, the Trump administration could open up um, Patriot missile systems or other potential uh, areas for uh, discuss this with, with India. The potential purchase of this S-400, but it is definitely one of the sticking points. Um, otherwise, relationships have certainly rebounded from where they were in 2000, 2000. 2012, 2013 under Obama, where there's a scandal involving the visa for an Indian diplomat in the United States, and then in retaliation, India removed some protective barriers out in front of the uh, U.S. Embassy in, in Delhi, um, and that was certainly a low point in the relationship, but uh, you know, it was this two plus two talk that we're having was really the initiative of Prime Minister uh, Modi of India when he met with mm-hmm. Trump last summer. Um, so we're hoping that the, this format, as the United States views India as a very important country, um, you know, not as an emerging great power and as a central counterbalance to uh, Chinese influence uh, in the Indian Ocean and beyond. So that goes to your point earlier that 
uh, obviously Pompeo's role we can see from you know from a trade and standpoint of um, you know typical if you will what a Secretary of State's role is but the inclusion of Madison his counterpart from India goes to your point about the security and the uh, importance of maintaining a, a defense relationship is that fair yes I think that would be um you know, fair to say that, uh, you know, there's going to be, an, an, that would be the, the, the center of, of, of these two plus two format. It really is a historic format for these, you know, two countries to, you know, tackle a, a number of, of, of important uh, issues um, in the region. Now, it's interesting, and, and you cover just about all of that aspect from defense to um, what's going on in the Middle East and in Africa. Does it? It seems to me that this this concept of two two plus two is really a, a very good concept and could very well be utilized in other areas. Correct? It could, and uh, you know, actually, from the Indian perspective, they already have a similar dialogue uh, with uh, Japan, but it does seem to be a dialogue where you know you have to so much of there is so much overlap between diplomatic foreign policy issues mm-hmm. uh, and security issues. You know, when it comes to something like, you know, terrorism, where the United States and India have a lot of common interest, mm-hmm. is it primarily, you know, a uh, security issue? Uh, there's also, you know, economic and diplomatic issues around that as well. So uh, and pretty much any issue you can think of has a security component uh, as well from the diplomatic side. So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, a format like this uh, between, you know, Pompeo, Mattis, and uh, the external affairs minister of in India, Sushma Sawaraj, and the defense mm-hmm. minister Nirmala Sitharaman, uh, could really uh, have an impact and take a you know important step forward in U.S.-Indian relations um, as this country becomes you know, the world's largest democracy, becomes uh, richer uh, and more important on on the world stage. These two plus two dialogue uh, could become an, an annual event. You know, I think. You know, to your point on this, um, that you talked earlier about, you know, the NATO or the United States or any relationship with uh, having an air base in India. I mean, if you have Mattis sitting at the table, it wouldn't be that tough to make that uh, conversation happen. You wouldn't have to pick up the phone and say, well, let me call somebody. The guy's sitting right next to me. Right, right. And I think that, uh, you know, having everyone on, on the table is, is very important. Uh, I don't think that there'd be, you know, to speak to that issue. I think that um, there also is also, uh, you know, there's all these talks also allow less perhaps um, political discussions around them in the sense that it's, you know, has less of a, of a factor in domestic politics. You have, sure. you know, the actors in the room so they can perhaps have more frank uh, discussions on, on, on various issues. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely clear that the, the, the President Trump and the Trump administration sees uh, Prime Minister Modi um, as, as, as a key ally um, you know, potentially going forward. Um, but, but there's some reticence on, on that within India. Um, there are members of Modi's BJP party uh, and Hindu nationalists that have kind of been reticent about the role of India in, in, in South Asian uh, affairs. So having this two plus two talk, you can kind of focus on the issues and perhaps mm-hmm. not worry less about the uh, politics. I think also another main concern for the, you know, and this goes back to um, really one of the you know, underrated foreign policy accomplishments of the George W. Bush 
administration, which was to bring India out from the cold, so to speak, during the Cold War, U.S.-Indian relations, uh, it's fair to say, were not what they could have been. Uh, mm -hmm. Though India was officially not aligned, it was, you know, de facto very close to the Soviet Union. Uh, even today, 60% of India's military equipment uh, comes from uh, Russia or from prior to that from the Soviet mm -hmm. Union. Um, so, you know, treating India, um, you know, with its due respect and recognition of its rising power status uh, is very important to India uh, and the United States, potentially, as we continue to see uh, India, uh, India as a potential counterweight to China's expanding role in the Indian Ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the other things which I think is fascinating is uh, you've been doing a lot of work on things in Northern Africa and the Middle East. What are some of the things that, uh, you know, you're looking forward past the India situation? What's going on in the Middle East that you're keeping an eye on? What's going on in uh, North Africa you're keeping an eye on? Yes, I think that uh, one of the interesting things that's not getting um, a lot of attention in the Middle East is, is in Iraq, a country the United States has very clear uh, interest in. Uh, following the recent election uh, in, in Iraq, there's been some very interesting developments. Uh, elements who are considered, you know, very close to uh, Iran have, you know, continued to expand their influence in the Iraqi uh, government. And another issue I think is very important uh, involving Iraq is the fact that there continues to be cross-border uh, raids and tensions between the Kurdish region. Um, and militant groups operating in the Kurdish, Kurdish region of northern Iraq and Turkey, uh, the mm -hmm. PKK, and also a similar uh, armed insurgency waged uh, by Kurds in Iran. And they're off, these groups are often operating out of uh, northern uh, Iraq, the Kurdish regional government uh, mm -hmm. area, as it is known, KRG. Um, and this has led to um, Iranian shelling uh, into Iraq and, you know, the targeting of, of villages not related uh, directly, um, you know, to these to these issues, and as a, as a warning from Iran, and and similar uh, issues of cross border incidents involving Turkey. So this is an incident that definitely hasn't been receiving a lot of attention. Um, but uh, you know, there's, it's harder to find a more pro American region in the Middle East than, than Kurdistan. So it's something that probably deserves a lot more attention. Um, looking at the situation in uh, North Africa. Um, I'm not sure how much attention it received, but there was a an, um, an attempted uh, attack on the U.S. embassy in Cairo yesterday, where a man, possibly with a uh, Molotov cocktail, or it's unclear exactly what sort of device he used, uh, attempted to throw it at the uh, U.S. embassy, but was uh, subsequently detained uh, without uh, any injuries uh, to anyone. The U.S. embassy is located uh, just a, a, um, a stone throw, no pun intended from Tahrir Square, which was the epicenter of the 2011 uh, Egyptian uh, uprising against the uh, hosting Mubarak regime. And it's really located downtown in downtown Cairo on the colorfully named uh, Simon Boulevard Street, named after the South, Af South uh, American uh, mm -hmm. revolutionary. And it's one of the few embassies we still have that's located right in the heart of a major city. I mean, Cairo is one of the, the largest cities in the world. And under Obama, we saw a policy uh, of relocating a lot of those embassies, uh, mainly for security reasons, uh, mm -hmm. to the periphery of a lot of cities where there's security risk. And in Cairo, that has not happened. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this incident, we've had, you know, there were other incidents in 2013 around the U.S. embassy in Cairo. Uh, that might lead to a rethink of that that policy um, in uh, what has emerged as a very important uh, country for the United States, uh, Egypt, 
um, which we have a long-standing uh, number of uh, security and other relationships with. Joseph, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and you uh, always bring us interesting stuff. Uh, where can we find you uh, on social media? Uh, you can find my Twitter account at symbol the Joseph H. All right. Thanks very much, and we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you. As always, special thanks to our friend Joseph Hammond for joining us, and we'll be back with more of the Politically Incorrect podcast right after this from Blinkist. You know, I love books. I really do. And I would love to read books, but man, I know you're just like me. Your schedule is so slammed that getting to read a book is just, it's tough. It's tough to do. Can't read anywhere near what you'd like to. And, you know, some great stuff is passing you by. Well, about two weeks ago, I decided to download the Blinkist app on my phone. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a game changer. Last week alone, I was able to read Rocket Man, which is a great story about Apollo 8 written by Robert Curson. I read Chasing Hillary by Amy Shosak. It's a super book, folks. It's an insider's look into Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. I went old school and read a book called The Doomsday Machine, Confessions of a Nuclear War Planner by Daniel Ellsberg. And I also got in Alan Fisher's great book, Valley of Geniuses, about the people of Silicon Valley and how they changed the world. I know what you're saying. You're saying, wait a minute, Williams. You just told me that you didn't have time to read one book in a week and you got through four. Yeah, I'm telling you why. It's Blinkist. It is the app that will change the way you read or listen to books forever, okay? You can find over 2,500 best-selling nonfiction books distilled in a way that allows you to read or listen to them in just 15 minutes. That's right. Now, over 7 million people are using Blinkist every day to glean the insights they need to become better at everything. Okay, it's all there. It's all easy to do. Now, I've read classics like How to Win Friends and Influence People While Eating Breakfast. I listened to the Amazon current bestseller, Fire and Fury, inside the Trump White House while I was writing my column about Donald Trump. It's that simple, folks. Blinkist is constantly curating and adding new titles from the best of lists so that you're always getting the most powerful ideas in a mobile format, okay? I'm proud to be one of the 7 million people using Blinkist to expand our minds 15 minutes at a time. So let me show you how we get started, all right? You ready? All right, here's how we go. For a limited time, the folks at Blinkist have a special offer for the audience who listens to this great podcast, the Politically Incorrect Podcast with Jim Williams, all right? All you have to do is go to Blinkist.com slash Williams. That's Blinkist.com slash my name to get that free trial. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Williams. Blinkist.com, that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash my last name, Williams. And you get seven free days to check out all of the wonderful titles on Blinkist. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, once you download the app, once you try it, you're not going to want to 
ever give it up. But should you ever wish to cancel it, again, no hassle. You can cancel anytime. It's free to cancel. No problem. But as I said before, go to Blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash my last name, Williams. Take the seven-day free trial, and I guarantee you, you're going to love it, and you're going to become a member of the 7 million people, myself included, who are part of the Blinkist family, expanding our minds 15 minutes at a time. Welcome back, everyone, to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams. Now, if you have not yet become one of the over 50,000 people who have downloaded and listened to and subscribed to the Politically Incorrect Podcast, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, we certainly make it simple. You can go to the iTunes store. They were very happy to be part of the Apple Podcast family. You can go to Google Play. You can certainly go to Blog Talk Radio. If you'd like to get your podcasts on apps, we're on a bunch of them. We're on Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and, of course, Spotify. All right? And you can also check us out at YouTube. Okay? So eight different places to get the Politically Incorrect podcast. Please go out there. All you have to do is search the Politically Incorrect Podcast with James Williams. Hit the favorite button, and every week you'll get a new edition of the show sent to your phone, your tablet, or hopefully to both, okay? So please do that for us today. We will be very, very happy if you can do that. All right, special thanks to Joseph Hammond, um, who, of course, is our expert on defense and everything having to do with what's going on in Europe, and he gave us a very interesting report today on what's going on this week in India, all right? Next time around, if another friend of the podcast is coming back, Alan Steinberg for Remember the George W. Bush Administration, we will be talking about the wild and woolly Florida governor's primary between Andrew Gillum, the Democrat, and Ron DeSantis, the Republican. It's uh, it's going to be a wild race, and um, no one like Alan to help break it down. I know you're going to want to join us next week for that one. Okay, so until that time, have a wonderful and safe weekend. And for those of you of the Jewish faith, myself included, a very happy and healthy New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah, which takes place and begins, of course, on Sunday night. So until next week, I'm Jim Williams for the gang here at the Politically Incorrect Podcast saying, join us next week and have a wonderful and safe weekend. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.